Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Jesus. If I think Pastor Mark says that if it was all about getting to heaven, we might as well go shoot you now. Like it's it's quite horrid to say, but it's true. We're here to reach the lost, and we're here to to preach the gospel to the to the people um, that aren't fortunate enough to hear it. But that begs the question: What is the gospel? Um, I could be really practical, and I am going to be, but I'm going to be describing the life of Jesus really condensed and just sharing to you what the gospel is and, and why it's so important to people's lives, why it's so important to our lives that we preach this with the utmost understanding that we can elaborate to the point of certain questions coming our way because it's really important that we understand the Bible and we understand the gospel rather than that. But it's such an integral part of our lives. It really is. And there's so many... Um, examples in the Bible that tell us the importance of sharing the, bo- of the gospel. First um, John 1 verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him, to proclaim to you that God is the light and in him there is no darkness. Mark 15, 16 verse 15 also says, Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. So I mean, it's, it says it right there, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, which is what I'm going to be teaching on tonight, which is the gospel. But it is our mission to share, and and um, we see the first four books of the Bible, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are these gospels. And what's amazing about these gospels is that they are so perfect, and they have no contradictions in themselves. What I mean by that is, is every account in the Bible is perfectly in alignment with another. It's just all by different perspectives. Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke were very smart people in their own rights, and that's why they all bring certain um, perspectives to it. Matthew is a very, from what I've read, a very um, event-based person. He says events really um, properly, <laughs> if that. Luke and Mark are very smart in the way they articulate their things, and that's and that's the awesome part about about the Gospels is that they're all different, but they're all so perfect and non-contradictory to one another. And I love that because me, Pastor Tim, anyone could read a certain gospel, a certain book of the Bible and still get the same message, which is just the beauty in the Bible in itself. And I really love that. But the gospel in a short term is the fact that Jesus died for us, that we were lost sinners and that he died for us and he set us free from sin, sin that separated us um, from God. But, you know, First of, firstly, we've got to understand, oh sorry, almost lost that, where Jesus came from. First thing, he was born in a stable, which is kind of weird. You'd think for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that he'd born in some high temple, but no, he was born just like you and I. He was born in, you know, I guess the lowest of lows, he was born onto hay in a, in a stable in a carton. Um, and he didn't live anything special and grew to be a, a young man. And at the moment of his, of his, um, of his baptism, um, he lived perfectly all through that time. And we see him, um, as he was baptized, was a sign of his activation for his ministry. Because he needed to be baptized, just the same as we all need to be baptized. Without that baptism, we're not anointed, we're not brought in um, to the kingdom. And so at that moment, Jesus was, was baptized and God shone a light on right on Jesus said, this is my son in whom I'm, well, whom I'm well pleased. Just showing the world that this is truly the son of God, which if you know the story, and I don't want you to spoil it, 
it's kind of weird that he was crucified in a sense because, I mean, for someone that had line, light shone on them, to then be crucified, it's kind of weird. But, I mean, I'm thankful for that. I can tell you that much. Without that, I wouldn't, we wouldn't even be standing here. But after that, we see him gathering his disciples for the work of his ministry. He gathered 12 men, one of whom was probably the wrong choice. But we see that he's gathering his disciples and he begins to preach to massive crowds. He begins to preach about love, about loving not just one another, loving yourself and loving God, what true love to God means. Teaches about giving, about giving to one another, to God, but giving to the poor as well, which was something that was kind of really odd in those days. Teaching about true sacrifice and to be seen in the future showed us the greatest sacrifice. Teached in parables about all these same things. But the main point that he preached was about his about salvation that was to come. Talking about how that he'd destroy the temple and it would be built back in three days. To everyone else, that thought they thought that was blasphemy, but they w- didn't realize what he was really talking about because they hadn't seen it yet. But in the end, he, b- he also began to start healing people. And this is really where that baptism was important because he was anointed. He was set apart to start working the ministry to do these miracles. The Holy Spirit was in, in put into him when he was baptized, brought up. And so we see him doing a bunch of miracles. We see him healing lepers. We see him setting demons out of people. We see this one in particular of, he didn't even do anything. This woman had enough faith to run up to her through a whole bunch of crowd. She had um, a period, uh, I guess an ongoing period for 12 years, way to put it. But she, and, and in this moment, she's crawling on her hands and knees. She's in the crowd trying to get just a touch of Jesus, trying to just ankle tap Jesus as he's running through the crowd. And he ends up just getting a little bit of garment, a little bit of his hem of his garment. And Jesus turns around and goes, what the heck just happened? And they're like, who touched me? I mean, it's kind of weird to say that because you're like, well, I'm surrounded by thousands of people. Of course someone touched you. It's like, no, I felt the power because of the faith and expectancy that woman had. And he's doing miracles. He's not even touching people. How crazy is that? That's the faith that, we, that someone has just to be able to touch and the glory of Jesus. We see him healing fevers in multiple different areas. We see him healing a paralyzed man. This one's really cool. Talk about faith. The friends carrying this man into a roof of the house that Jesus is in. And they had so much faith and expectancy. Jesus said, by your faith, you've been made whole. Stand up and walk. It's not just because he walked there, but he went through all that trouble just to get there. That's got to be a lot of faith. Imagine he gets there and is like, oh, this didn't work. That's what faith is about. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the things yet not seen. If you want to have faith in God, you obviously can't see him. That's what true faith is. Believing in something you have not yet seen. Blind, he, he healed blind people. He healed mute people and he healed deaf people. He healed body deformities. In the Bible, it talks about this man that had a withered hand. So he's probably got like, he's probably looking like this. And he's just said, in Jesus' name, would it grow? I just, I just did a miracle right there. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, he even healed other cultures, which nowadays isn't so weird because of it's not right to be discriminatory against other cultures. But back then, it was like Jews are really the main, the real deal. And so there was Jews and Gentiles, and it was so weird to just be able to to talk to one of them. And there was a moment where Jesus and this woman are at a, at a well. I forget the well's name. And Jesus helps with the woman, and she says, you can't talk to me. Why are you talking to me? And, she, and he shared the gospel with her. And he preached about what he's preaching to all the Jews as well, yeah. showing us that it's not just about 
one ra- um, one race or one whatever. It's about everyone receiving the gospel. It's about everyone receiving the reality that Jesus is going to die for us and has died for us so that we could be set free from every disease, from every sickness, but also from our bondage. But we'll get to that in a bit. I don't want to spoil it too much. But he did signs and wonders. Besides from miracles, he walked in water, as Braden said, which is really cool, and then went to try and get Peter on, who had just enough faith to walk on water. That's, what, that's the power of faith. It says the size of, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Must have been pretty small faith to walk on water for that split second until he realized what he was really doing. And he started thinking like a, like a man, like, this isn't right. Because the Bible says you've got to be like a child. It says, says act, um, think as a child who trusts you. I could say to dad, hey, dad, catch me right now. As a child, I would have done that for sure, but I wouldn't have done that because I don't trust him. <laughs> him, and his, him and his bung back, I don't trust that at all. But if I was to think like a child, he, he probably would catch me because he's pretty pretty strong, which is painful to admit. <laughs> probably stronger than me. But as, if I was thinking like a child and having true faith in true faith in Pastor Tim, he'd catch me. And that's how we need to be like with God. We need to have that childlike faith. I can get it out. Childlike faith. He fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread. And all he did was give thanks and break it up, which is really more than that. He gave thanks to God, asking that he would feed 5,000. They broke five loaves of bread and two fish, and they came back with 12 baskets of, of um, bread. It doesn't say how much fish, or if it, did, if it did, I missed it. But that's a lot of bread. And all they did was break it up and give thanks. That's, that is a true wonder. And then, and then he did again with 4,000, with seven loaves, and, and then he came back with seven baskets of broken up bed, uh, bread. And there's so much more. But he did all these signs, and he did it everywhere across Israel. And he's showing, and he's showing this because he's showing us what we're meant to do as we continue after him, because after him is, what, is where we step in. And we continue his ministry. He didn't just die and say, all right, repeat what I did. And he said, no, you're going to further my ministry, which is just the power of what he did. Um, but we see this whole line. He's, he's doing miracles and he's doing signs and wonders. And the whole time he's living blameless without sin, which is really important because for a long time, for the whole of the Old Testament for sure, there was so many righteous people but were blameless because of one thing. I, rem- I know David in particular, he's pretty righteous. I mean, he's, he's the man that killed Goliath with a stone and set and really destroyed the Philistines. And then he's at one moment also adultering and killing the husband of, of someone he just saw and, and had lust towards and then immediately lost that righteousness and he, was bl- and he was blamed. And he had that blame. He had that sin in his life. And so Jesus had to come because we're all like that. In the Bible, there's 613 laws and 10 commandments without Jesus. Or there's just one. Submit to God. Submit to, God. Submit to Jesus. Believe he's real. I, I think I'd rather do the second one, to be honest. I can tell you, I probably broke one of those laws playing footy somehow. I don't know, like, I definitely did. I probably swore a bunch of times. But, you know, like, it's so easy to just break one of those laws. But Jesus died on that cross so that we could be set free. But again, let me not jump ahead because I want to really break that down properly. But in the Gospels, we even see his humanity in Gethsemane when we skip to his death, when we skip to the part where he's, a, where he's about to give his life for us. Because he gave it. He chose to give it. He didn't, it wasn't taken from him. 
He chose to. If it was taken, then it's not, his, it's not a free gift. It was at a cost. But it was free because he chose to do it. That's why he was here on earth. That's why God put him in Mary. It was, it was, a, it was a one-way interaction with Mary. Virgin Mary. God put him in there just for one purpose, that one day he would die for us. And along the way, do miracles, do signs, do wonders, and teach us how to live our lives. But we see his humanity in, Gethsem- in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's pleading with God. He's actually bleeding He's sweating blood because he is that nervous about what he's facing. And I mean, if you didn't feel pain, you wouldn't really be nervous. You wouldn't be sweating that blood at the idea that you're about to die. And he and he's in that and he's in that garden and he's and he's um and he's praying to God. He says, Father, Father, or Abba, Abba. If I can't speak that language though, so he says, Father, Father, if you could let this cup pass from me but he says not my will but your will be done which is just so yeah powerful is a good word for it because again he just chose that he chose that I can tell you right now I don't think I'd be in that position because I couldn't bear the fact of dying and I mean we could say oh yeah I'll I'll die for you it's really a big ask and Jesus did just that and I just love that fact but and he, and even at the idea, he was actually to be separated from God because of his sin. That's, that's also why we can't be in right relationship with God, because we're dirty. If we're dirty, we can't be in his sight. And so Jesus had to die and wash that sin from us so that we could be in his sight, so that we could just be in relationship with him. And Jesus knew that the weight of sin is heavy. Romans says that the, weight of, um, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And that's what he did. He died on the cross so that we could be set free of that sin. And also the most painful death. And this is where we get into not, not just his death, but it's a really terrible thing that happened. It's not just terrible, it's gruesome. I should actually not jump there yet because I want, I want to dig this more. But he ended his prayer, yes, yeah, saying, not my will but yours be done, facing the most brutal death, Bru- brutal death. But he knew his mission and love overcame fear once again because he was facing the most tempting point of his life where he could just say, nah, stuff this, I'm done. This is just too much. But no, he said his love for humanity overcame the fear of dying. But after his plea and after his strength, the Bible says he was given strength to persevere. Jesus was arrested and taken to the governor of of Rome or of, of the Roman governor. And at that moment, he saw no wrong in him. And, I mean, he didn't do any wrong. He was blameless. The only thing he, that really could have been against him was, was blaspheme because they didn't believe that he was the true one. And so he's, the governor said, you know what, there's nothing wrong, but you'll still get 39 lashes. Now, just a bit of history. 39 lashes is, they say in the Bible, 39, uh, 40 minus 1 because 40 lashes in the Bible is the death sentence. And so what they do is, is the Roman guard would if the if that person didn't die on the 40th lash that guy would then be killed to obviously have no bias if you're lashing your friends and he doesn't die because you're gracious then you're going to die instead so these guards are designed to brutally hurt or kill this person and so jesus was given the 39th lash the most lashes you can get um and if you can put that photo up what they use it's called a um a flagrum is it up there Perfect. 
I had two photos, but the other one's actually kind of a disgusting image. But what they'd use is bone shards. They'd use metal spikes, as you can see. Every lash rips skin. I don't know if you've seen Passion of the Christ. It's a great movie, but it has nothing compared to what Jesus really went through. Because in the Bible, it says that his appearance was so marred beyond human resemblance or recognition of any child of mankind. So he was marred beyond recognition. He was unrecognizable, which is ironic because we were unrecognizable to God. And so what he did was he became unrecognizable to God so that we could become recognizable, which is big words, but we were were invisible to God because of what covered us. It was like having a car. It's like dirty car. It's like I don't see the value in that car until it's clean. That's There's value in that car, but until it's cleaned, we can't be seen and we can't see value. That's exactly what happened. And so he was marred beyond recognition. But why? Because our sin, like I said, our sin was unsinnable. But now we get to the point where he's actually, he's had his lashings and and he's standing in front of the Jews and everyone's gasping. You've probably seen the movie he's gasping, but it's like, it's a brutal sight. You'd be confused. You'd be like, is that Jesus? Like, he's marred beyond recognition. Flesh hanging off, blood still dripping. He is marred. It's brutal. And he's standing there, and they're like, this isn't enough. Let's go. We want him crucified. And they had to try and sway the decision. They had a a brutal murderer who's killed multiple people, and they said, we'd rather him than Jesus. And thank God for that, because we wouldn't be here. But we see him carrying that cross. The cross, they reckoned, would have weighed 135 kilos. And he had to travel, what they reckoned, 600 meters up a flight of stairs all the way to the Mount of Calvary. Or they say skull in in Arabic translation. But 600 meters after you've been destroyed, (laughs) it's it's a sight. It's not just a sight, but it's, it's unthinkable. And all of this because he loves us. Because God loves us. That just, others love that fact. But now we see Jesus on the mountain. Cross ready laid out. And he's laying there. He's ready to be nailed. Nails him right in the wrist. Goes through the bone, through the artery. Probably the most painful thing. And then to be, and through his feet. Feet looking like that. Nailed through his feet. Lifted up on the cross. Which crucifixion is such a bad way to die. Because after your arms get tired, you just... You just can't breathe anymore. So for six hours, Jesus is laying, on, not laying, he's on that cross. And he's, after his arms give out, he just can't breathe anymore. He's going through the worst pain possible. Because I don't know about you, but just trying to gasp for any bit of air is just painful in itself when you reach that point. Done a lot of diving, I can, and I've had a, been close to blackouts. And I can tell you, it's so good when you get to that point of breath. But when you can't get to that point of breath, it's just scary and and painful. It really is. And yet he still did that. At any point, the Bible says at any point, he could have just said, no, I'm done. But he didn't because he loves us so much. And he did all this so that we could be set free. He did all this so that we could be set free. And then here comes what I reckon is the exciting bit. The resurrection of Jesus. And because without the resurrection, we're not set free. Because Jesus proves that he is the Son of God by his resurrection. We could see a bunch of other gods who aren't resurrected. Why? Because they're not the Son of God. They're not, they're not a God. But Jesus was resurrected and set free. And 
I did the internship and we talked about a lot of different theories and there were some dumb ones. But so many theories trying to cover up why Jesus wasn't there. They reckon the, ma- the most known one is that his body was stolen. But I mean, just the fact that you have to move a stone that probably weighs a couple ton and then to be able to get him um, as well with God sitting at the front has to be a miracle. Yeah. Has to be. And so we see him. He's, re- he's being killed. He's in that tomb and he's resurrected. And in the, um, in the Bible, in First Peter 3, it says, Christ suffered for our sins once and for all, um, for all time. He never sinned, yet he died for sinners to bring us home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. This is the important part of this. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, to those who disobeyed God a long time ago, when God walked patiently, while waited patiently while Noah built his boat. So not only did he did he die and resurrect just for us, he died for the people in the past. He died for the people that had already disobeyed him, that had already sinned and had passed away. His love stretched that far. That he covered the people that were disobedient in, in the time of Noah. And if you know anything about Noah, it was not pretty. Yeah. Kind of similar to today, really. Just full of violence and full of, they reckon, demons as well. But like really disgusting demons that were just incite, in, um, enticing violence and, and sexual immorality in many different ways. It was really disgusting time and Jesus clean, uh, God cleaned that with the flood. But those people still had the opportunity and some of them still said no. That's a crazy thought. And I don't believe they would have been in hell. But just the idea that they could have been in hell and instead be in right relationship with God and be forgiven, they still said no. That's, that's crazy in itself. That really is. But we talk, about, we talk about love for mankind. That's the true sign of that. And yet people still rejected him. But after three days, he rose and he was victorious in heaven. And he rose again and he gave us Christians a mission. He gave us a reason to live, and he told us to reach the lost and to further the um, further the ministry and to and to um, keep up keep this ministry going to save as many people as possible. And um, how we do that will be discussed next week with Pastor Braden. But you know, this is the gospel in a in a really condensed form, and I encourage you that you need to read this gospel. You need to read Matthew, Mark. You need to read the whole Bible. But start, <laughs> obviously, but start with those four as a Christian. If you're new Christian, if, even if you're not, read those, those gospels. The, the, there's at least 27 book um, chapters in Matthew. There's more in others, all describing that life of Jesus in so many different ways and in such perfection, like I said at the beginning, that your life will be changed. And I, from about the age of 13 to 17, I neglected the Bible for a long time, mainly because I didn't see the power in it. But once I started reading that thing, yeah, that changed me, eh? Like, literally, it changed me, which is weird to think a book could change you. But the book is described as the living God. In John, um, the, the first verse of John, it says, the Word was God and the Word was with God. The Word was God says it in a specific order, but I can't quite remember. But he says, the word was God. And when we read that word, we are reading God. We are reading his biography. His bibliography, his biography, that's the one. But, yeah, I encourage you to read that. And in fact, that's what we're all called to do, is, is reach this world for good and for God. To reach this world 
for the people that are lost and that are broken that don't don't know this truth for people that have um, experienced lack of love or lack of care but and and, te- and show them the fact that they are loved and they are cared because that's a big thing for us in life um, is the idea that we're not loved for and we're not cared for and that's what the Bible brings to people is that they are is the reminder that they are loved and they are cared for and you know in this place you might not know that fact and there's awesome we've got this thing called the Holy Spirit that shows that only shows us this fact but brings us new life and so if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes I'm just gonna I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day so for more information about City Point West jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts Instagram City Point West or our Facebook City Point Church West have a great day